More thrills, plenty of more suspense, a lot of excitement. Uh, yeah, just another week of college football around the FBS. We move to week eight now as we start to see some things really shake out around the college football landscape. How you feeling, everybody? Great to have you with us. Welcome to uh, another edition of The Very Finest. And, yeah, we, we pat ourselves on the back for that. The very finest evaluation of college football you're going to get anywhere on the broadcast side. This is Strong as Steel, our Week 8 episode. I'm Michael Regai, and as always, joined by our producer, Jim Nabosna, and uh, the man with all the numbers, the man with uh, plenty of insight and knowledge, and the author of Phil Steele's College Football Preview, along with all that you find on philsteele.com. That would be, of course, Phil Steele. How are you, my man? You ready to go? You betcha, Michael. How are you doing today? I'm great, and I got it before we start today. How about last weekend, Phil? Friday the 13th, right? Really, really got it rolling as a pair of undefeateds went down in, in Clemson and Washington State. We have only eight left around the FBS. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But, Phil, you know, Kelly Bryant going down, that really impacted Clemson. We know that. But uh, what took you aback more, the Clemson loss at the Dome in Syracuse or Cal, Justin Wilcox in the game, just absolutely throttling Mike Leach in Washington State? Yeah, and there was a couple more upsets last week as well with, uh, you know, Arizona State upsetting Washington. In fact, we had four mm -hmm. top ten teams go down last week, which, uh, you know, it figures the one week where there's no ranked versus ranked games, you have four top ten teams that lose versus uh, unranked teams. So what a wild weekend it was. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you can get involved. We go forward, as we said, week eight coming up. Here's how we do it here for the next hour right here. On Strongest Steel, here's how you get aboard. 646-668-2248. And we'll give you that one more time. 646-668-2248. Locked and loaded. Get in. Our producer, Jim DeBosno, will get you all lined up. On Twitter as well. We love social media. We'll be checking Twitter as we get into the second half of the show today. So load them up if you can't get aboard, uh, giving us a shout calling-wise. Twitter at Phil Steele 042, at Michael Regai, R E G H I, and at Jim Nabosna. That's the way to do it right here on Strongest Steel. Phil, let's get rolling. You mentioned last week we didn't have any top 25s. We've got a couple of them this week, and let's start out in Happy Valley. Going to be a whiteout. James Franklin, number two. Penn State, we've always been talking about the gauntlet that they're going to face starting this weekend. They host Michigan Saturday. They travel to Ohio State next Saturday. Then we got to add traveling to East Lansing, tangling with Michigan State. So they got three in a row. Now, Phil, we know Saquon Barkley, Bryce Love, two best running backs in college football, both of them legitimate Heisman Trophy candidates. They've been brilliant. Bill, I know you know, though, in the last two years against Don Brown's Michigan defense, Saquon Barkley's been very pedestrian, 127 total yards in two games. That's in two games. Both Michigan decisive wins. No touchdowns for Barkley against Michigan. Now, we know that that's got to change for Penn State to be successful. 
Michigan's offense, uh, boy, Jim Harbaugh is trying to keep it together with Bailey Lawyer, only 58 yards of passing from John O'Corn in the overtime win at Indiana. Harbaugh did what he usually does, a couple of tight ends, maybe three at times. We're going to run power football, and they got 200 yards and three touchdowns out of Karan Higdon. Phil, two excellent defenses, right? We know that. Michigan's rated higher. Penn State's offense far, far more explosive. Penn State, Phil Steele, is a double-digit favorite here. Sounds heavy. How do you see it? Yeah, actually, Penn State's dropped to a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, but basically the same thing. Oh, okay. They have to win the game by double right digits. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, they have to win it by double digits to get there. And, uh, you know, this is one game, Michael, where I look at it, and my computer, I mean, when you look at Michigan's season, that opening game against a depleted Florida team, uh, we didn't know what impact the, the suspended players would have, and as it turns out, had a major impact on Florida's season. They just lost a couple of games at home. Uh, they got by Cincinnati. They got by Air Force. Not a not a great game. Purdue, they actually trailed at the half, 10-7, to 7, lose to Michigan State at home. And last week, you know, the Indiana game goes to uh, overtime. So they had, they've, they've not really had a super impressive game this year. And I understand why my computer actually has Penn State winning this by 17 points, which is why the number is so high. I think if you take a look at most computer numbers out there, they're going to favor Penn State by somewhere between that 10 to 17 range because of the offense, the way they've been playing, as you point out, a large edge there. Defensively, they're pretty close. I do rate Michigan as the best defense in the country. But I just don't see any team going out and beating Michigan by double digits. I mean, it's going to be tough to do. You look at Harbaugh's losses, and yeah, he's lost four games the last three years. A lot of folks point the finger at that, but look at what the margin of those losses were. One point to Iowa, three points to Ohio State, one to Florida State, and then four points to Michigan State. So I think if you play the game on paper, I'm taking Penn State, but the fact it's Michigan, the fact they've got that defense and always play teams close, to me the best thing here is what you talked about. It is the under. It's actually under 45 right now, and I can see Michigan shutting down Saquon Barkley. I can see Michigan struggling to move the football on an excellent Penn State defense, which is holding the opponents to 107 yards per game below their season average. So my best play here, Michael, would be under 45 in the Michigan and uh, Penn State game. I like that. Uh, yeah, very astute call. Uh, I, I would be with you on that if you're not taking a side on it. It's going to be a fascinating watch, uh, to be sure. And, again, it's a, a very tough task. But we'll see if for the third straight year uh, Don Brown and Michigan's defense can bottle up Saquon Barkley. That's how we do it here on Strongest Steel. You get on board, as we said, 646-668-2248. Not just Power Fives, not just games that are matchups of top 25. No, no, no. We go all across the landscape, all 130 in college football. We love your group of five uh, uh, questions uh, toward us, and uh, that is something that, uh, as you know, you're a listener of the show, we do each and every week. So let's get it rolling. Let us uh, start uh, with our man Peter from uh, way out on the left coast in Los Angeles, speaking of the group of five. He's got some thoughts along those lines. Hey, Peter, how you doing? Welcome to Strongest Steel. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, quick question. Uh, <clears throat> for the Georgia Southern UMass game, Phil, do you see Georgia Southern possibly pulling the upset as being an underdog at uh, plus seven? I just want to know your thoughts on that game. Thanks. 
I right, appreciate it. I appreciate the call as always, Peter. And, uh, you know, when you take a look at this matchup, a lot of folks would be scratching their head to see an 0-6 team like UMass being favored by a full touchdown uh, over any squad in the country. And uh, it's a battle of the winless teams with Georgia Southern coming in at 0-5. Now, Georgia Southern's option has been mostly pedestrian this year. They're only averaging 3.9 yards per carry. Uh, Shea Wirtz doing an adequate job running it, but uh, they haven't been overwhelming. In fact, they're averaging 79 yards per game below what their opponents average. And when you look a little more in-depth at UMass this year, uh, they've got Andrew Ford, the Virginia Tech transfer at QB. He's hitting 63% with an outstanding 12-2 ratio. They've got Marquise Young uh, rushing for 4.1 yards per carry. They've got one of the top tight ends in the country in Adam Brenneman. And then you look at what they've done this year. I mean, they could easily have beaten Hawaii at home. Uh, played a, a good game against Coastal Carolina. In fact, had a 40-yard edge and lost. Old Dominion, once again, only outgained by 34 yards. They're actually outgaining their opponents this year by three yards per game. Remember, they went into Tennessee and almost beat the Volunteers, took Temple to the wire, and then Ohio U took them to the wire and had a 71-yard edge. So actually, in all six games this year, they haven't been very far away from, uh, they're maybe seven to ten plays away from being a 6-0 and team right now. I like what UMass has more than I like what Georgia Southern showing this year. Georgia Southern had that game against New Hampshire. They lost by 10, and most of their games have been non-competitive. Even last week, they only lost by 8 to New Mexico State, but they were outgained by 240 yards in that game. So I just like the way that UMass is playing. Tough to lay a touchdown with a winless team, but in this case, that's the, that's the side I would choose if you're going to play that one. Appreciate the call, Peter. <laughs> Yeah, Peter, good stuff, man. We mentioned, of course, so we just uh, stated, Phil, that we love, you know, FBS. We love the group of five and uh, games, independence. And, and well, Peter comes out with us with a couple of winless squads. But as always, you're right there. You're right there uh, making sure that uh, the analysis is is top-notch. So somebody's going somebody's gonna to get healthy this week and win their first football game. Let's continue on you know here what, as strong call? as steel. Yeah. I figure uh, that one tomorrow when I'm doing the Sports Center hits, that one will probably be the most asked about game that we do, right? <laughs> you think so? <laughs> yeah. Well, I saw. See, you're you're warmed up then. You already have a uh, yeah. step ahead when, <laughs> when, when, when all the when you get hit with that on Sports Center tomorrow. We'll tell you more about Phil too and all of uh, uh, how you can find him, where you can find him. Uh, in addition to uh, at philsteel.com and here on Strong as Steel. Let's continue on as uh, we're already rolling strong uh, here into Week 8. Let's go to the great city of Pittsburgh. Speaking of the uh, Group of Five uh, versus Power Five, got one here. Here's our guy, Nine Route. Uh, what's going on, Nine? How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm great, thanks. I uh, hope you guys are doing well, too. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I got a question about Idaho, Missouri. I, you know, I look at the matchup, and I'm kind of like in the over of 60 because although Idaho does have a top 30 uh, total defense and a top five pass defense, it's kind of skewed because the average of the opponents they've played so far, their average passing offense is right around 91 on those uh, on the uh, FBS opponents they've played so far. The five opponents, it's a, only a pass uh, offense of 91st, and Missouri comes in with a top 30 pass offense. So, obviously, Missouri's got a really bad 
uh, one of the 10 worst total defenses in the country, so I think Idaho will be able to move the ball. So I see this one going over the total. Thank you. All right, appreciate the call there, Nine Round. And, uh, you know, when I look at this game, uh, I do I would lean with the over in this one as well if I'm looking at the, the total of it. The only thing that scares me is earlier this year, I liked UNLV and Idaho to go over the total, and UNLV held up their end of the bargain, putting up 44 points on the board. But Idaho only scored 16 against that UNLV defense. So that concerns me a little bit in the fact that Idaho's offense has not been as potent as they were last year so far, only averaging 23 points per game. Perhaps uh, better than the total even in this game would be looking at Missouri. And, you know, the stat that stands out to me is Missouri's offense the last two years, when they take on a team that's not a Power 5 team, they light it up. They're averaging like 62 points per game. Drew Locke has a 19-0 to ratio when he's taking on non-Power 5 teams, and it's about a 50-50 ratio when he's taking on the Power 5 teams. Now, you look at uh, this year, they've done a little bit better against the Power 5 teams, but they still, when they play the non-Power 5, really light it up. They've got Crockett at running back, Drew Locke, and as you touched on, the defense not overwhelming, but uh, I think Idaho's offense comes in averaging 71 yards below what opponents allow. So I'm not sure their offense will necessarily do it. Missouri's only laying 15, and guess what? Missouri's 1-5. and five. They need a feel-good game. Most Usually a team in playing in the SEC, you just played Auburn, Kentucky, Georgia. You're going to take a breather with Idaho. This team needs a win. So you've got a Missouri team in need of a win that lights it up against non-group of five. I like Missouri's offense here, so I think we could both get that one. Uh, but I like Missouri minus. They're laying about two touchdowns in that one. Appreciate the call. Yeah, good stuff, Nine. Always do appreciate that. Strongest steel. We are uh, rolling strong for you. Week eight, we're down to eight unbeatens. We'll hit on uh, all of them. Have already uh, touched on one, and we'll continue to do that. Phil Steele's here. I'm Michael Regai. Jim Nabosna, our producer. We're going to be checking Twitter. We'll check Twitter again during the show a couple times probably, so make sure you line them up. Your tweets, uh, you can do that at Phil Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E-042, at Michael Regai, R-E-G-H-I, at Jim Nabosna. We're always into the Twitter mailbag here on Strong as uh, Steel. We also uh, like our friends from the Sun Belt Conference as well. Let's uh, head to California with some thoughts on Neil Brown's football team. Phil and I, big Neil Brown fans, head coach of Troy. Here's our man, Tony. Tony, how you doing? Welcome. How are things in Cali? I'm outstanding, Mike. How you doing today, Phil? I'm very intrigued by this Troy at Georgia State. Recently, Georgia State has covered the ATS the past three weeks. It looks like they're on an uptick. I can't get a feel on Troy. Phil, where do we stand on this one? Thanks. All right. Appreciate All right. Thank you for the call very much. And, uh, you know, when I look at this game, uh, I have to think it's going to be one of those bounce-back games for Troy. They're coming in off the loss to South Alabama. And you had to expect there'd be a little bit of a letdown. They had just upset LSU uh, in their previous game, had everybody patting them on the back. They were a huge favorite. You could throw your helmets on the field and win, and they end up losing to South Alabama. Now they come in off a loss. Uh, Georgia State, you are absolutely hit it right on the head. I'm surprised. Georgia State's actually impressed me the last three weeks. You know, you look at them the first two weeks of the season, they lose to Tennessee State, get blown up by Penn State. They are who we thought they were. 
But then all of a sudden they go into Charlotte and come out with a 28 to nothing shutout win, beat Coastal Carolina on the road. I thought those two teams were close to equal. And then going in and beating a red-hot ULM team and having a 239-yard edge in the game, Connor Manning, lighting it up. He's, of course, a, a Power 5 transfer. He's got, uh, so far this year, just a 6-4 ratio, but threw for over 400 yards last week. Uh, they're starting to run the football over 200 yards rushing against ULM, but I think that's just going to keep Troy on guard for this one. And, and frankly, I think Troy's the better team. So the fact that Troy is off a loss and will give their full effort here, I'm still going to side with Troy, And uh, even though Georgia State's really impressed me the last three weeks. Appreciate the call. Yeah, good stuff there. Neil Brown factor here. Uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, we're both very fond of Neil Brown and the job he's done at Troy, Phil. Oh, absolutely. And uh, and you look at the talent he's got. I mean, they've got Silvers, a quarterback, and Chun, at running back. Chun got banged up a little bit in that South Alabama game, but I think he'll mm-hmm. play here. And uh, defensively, they're holding opponents to uh, 23 yards below their season average. And I think Neil Brown's done a tremendous job building that program. And I like how we embraced Larry Blakeney, who was the uh, previous head coach. And they still talk an awful lot. So it's uh, it, Blakeney did a tremendous job building the Troy program up. Yeah, and interesting you mentioned that because we're going to have to start keeping uh, some tabs on Brandon Silvers, the uh, the senior QB as well. I'm told a couple of uh, a couple of NFL uh, personnel guys told me that uh, he's in play. I like the size, six three, about two fifteen. Throw last year had a terrific year, accurate. So Brandon Silvers, keep an eye on him, the Troy Trojans quarterback for Neil Brown. Hey, great to have all of you along, strong as steel, rolling along here on this uh, week number eight edition. We're glad that you lock in with us here on Blog Talk Radio each and every Wednesday during and uh, throughout the college football season, uh, noon Eastern. That's noon Eastern, of course, uh, also on iTunes as well. You've got a lot of different options to uh, get your strong as steel fix each and every week we roll on let's stay out west a lot of west coast action uh, this week the great state of oregon here's our man tyler with some uh, some thoughts on the mountain west hello tyler welcome to the show again good morning folks my uh, normal team is on by this week so naturally i gravitated towards the game with a former oregon state quarterback and a former oregon state defensive coordinator so looking at this matchup it looks like a uh, this is going to be the uh, de facto Mountain West title game. San Diego State's covering off a disappointing loss, and Fresno State looks like the only team in that division that can challenge them. So I'm curious what you think about what to watch for on this game. Well, I think you picked up one of the better weekend's better games, Tyler, because uh, I think Fresno's going to give them a challenge. You look at what Fresno's done so far this year, and they have done nothing but impressed each and every week. Even in their two losses, look who their two losses were to. At Alabama and at Washington. And in both games, they were not embarrassed. They were only outgained by about 200 yards in each game, even though the computer is probably calling for them to get outgained by 350, 400 yards. Uh, they, they did very well in those games, and now they've come back to Mountain West play and ripped off not only victories, they're not just winning games, they're winning games big. I mean, they beat Nevada by 21, 
San Jose, they probably could have beaten worse than the 17 that they did, and then shutting out New Mexico last week, 38 to nothing. You have to be impressed. Marcus McMarion, the Oregon State transfer quarterback you're talking about, 7-1 ratio since he took over for Chason Virgil. They've got Ronnie Rivers at running back, averaging 5.3 yards per carry, and a familiar name at receiver, uh, Kayshawn Johnson, at the uh, one receiver spot, is their top guy. Now, with San Diego State, you know the defense, one of the best in the country. They're holding the phone to so 124 yards per game below their season average this year. But Fresno, 61 yards below, so not too far behind. Rashad Penny got shut down by Boise, and it didn't help that last week they were put in a 14-0 hole where Boise had 14 points and zero first downs. And then uh, they just took away Penny the rest of the game, and Chapman wasn't able to save them. They're at home. I wonder what the bubble burst factor is going to do for San Diego State because they were thinking unbeaten season and playing in that group of five spot. Uh, I think Fresno's going to make a game of it. So I got San Diego State winning it, but only by three to seven points. I think it'll be uh, one of the game- weekend's better games. Appreciate the call as always. Interesting evaluation there. And uh, yeah, we do appreciate that call, Tyler, as always. From the great state of Oregon, interesting he met Oregon State and well the situation there. Mike Leach last week at uh, at Washington State, so a lot of things going on in the Pac-12 right now. And as Phil and I mentioned early on, most notably with both Washington and Washington State going down last weekend. Strongest steel would never go down. We're right here for you. Uh, this is uh, the place to get your assessments, evaluations, and uh, exactly exactly the very best about what a weekend of college football may hold. Let's uh, swing from the West Coast back here to the uh, the Midwest, state of Ohio. Here's Olson from Cleveland with some thoughts on Paul Christ and his undefeated Wisconsin Badgers top five football team. Hey, Olson, how are you? Welcome. I'm doing well. How are you, Michael and Philip? We're great. great. Thank you, Olson. Um, Awesome. Huge fan of the pod, guys. Really, really enjoy what you guys do. Um, you know, I thought I'd be calling in to talk about my Miami Redhawks odds of getting into the playoff and Gus Raglan Heisman, but that's kind of fallen by the wayside, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll move We'll move on. I had him last guys. week, we'll Olsen. A... Oh, I saw that. Yep, yep. That's tough. tough. Yeah. But um, we'll move on. Tough to second half. Here. Oh, geez. Um We'll move on to Wisconsin here. And I, just sort of looking at the snap count of Wisconsin, really like Wisconsin this week. Um, you know, you look at what Maryland's done these last two weeks, facing 86 snaps versus Ohio State, 93 North, first Northwestern. Then they got to go up against the big boys up front for Wisconsin. I just see a 35-zip steamroll. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with you here and uh, appreciate the call as always. But uh, when I, a couple of things to take away. Last week – if you watch that Wisconsin and Purdue game, a little bit of a misleading final. Wisconsin absolutely dominated the game. In fact, at one point they had a 414 to 111 yard edge, but they were only up. Uh, they only won the game by eight. They had three turnovers that cost them, uh, including one as they were going in at the end of the game for a touchdown. And then, of course, the block punt was a big play as well. So I thought Wisconsin completely dominated a good Purdue team, and Maryland's just different with Bortenschlager at QB. Uh, you know, they're they're at their best offensively when they've got the mobile QB, like a Pigrom or a Hill. But Bortenschlager, while well, he's scoring touchdowns, I think he's got six touchdowns, seven touchdowns the last couple of weeks. You know, that's what folks are talking about. The yardage isn't there, either running 
uh, or throwing. In fact, Bortenschlager uh, last week, most of his stuff was in garbage time against Ohio, or against uh, Northwestern. The, the 255 yards, you look at the uh, previous week, he only had 154 and 16 yards passing and running the football, sort of been non-existent. 34 yards last week is the top he's done. This is a Wisconsin team that uh, can stop the run. I mean, they're allowing just 79 yards on the ground. They take away the pass. They run the football. As I mentioned in the magazine, I thought they'd have finally back to the Wisconsin rush offense after Paul Chris' first two years. They averaged just 3.8 and 4.3 yards per carry. They're finally back up to 5.5. Jonathan Taylor, uh, freshman of the year, or one of the top running backs in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. He's almost got 1,000 yards already. So I, I'm going to agree with you. I think Maryland's defense, which has been wearing down the last two weeks, giving up uh, about 250 yards per game to Ohio State. Northwestern gets run over here. And I like the Badgers to win this one. And that, I can see the 35 points, like you said. I, I think it, Wisconsin wins this one. Appreciate the call. Yep, appreciate that. And uh, Phil, what about Maryland? I mean, you look at the last three on their schedule. You mentioned the issues they're having in the, the final three games they play. Now, after at Wisconsin, you got Indiana and Rutgers both at home, and then Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. I mean, are they going to get bowl eligible this year? I don't think so. Uh, at, as much as at the start of the year when they opened up three and one with road wins over Texas and Minnesota, this is one team that has been drastically impacted by the quarterback injuries and. Even last week, Ty Johnson, who averages like 10 yards per carry for his career, uh, he was shut down because teams no longer re- really worry about Bordenschlager running the football. And Ty Johnson was was held, to, and, and Harrison combined, 19 carries for 51 yards. That's not even three yards per carry for a couple of backs that normally average in the seven, eight, or nine yards per carry in that offense. Yeah, for all you Terps fans, we'll see if D.J. Durkin can uh, find a way here in these next three because, of, as we said, the end of the season is very daunting to be sure. All right, you guys are uh, rolling. You're on fire. We love all your spirit and enthusiasm here on Strong as Steel. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, and, of course, our producer, Jim Nabosna. Let's uh, go to uh, New York and welcome in uh, our man, Mark, who's always a Strong as Steel regular. Hi, Mark. How are you doing today? Good afternoon, guys. Hope everything's going well. I uh, just want to bring up the uh, South Florida Tulane game. You know, I, I look at this uh, Tulane's catching eleven and a half, but I've seen a real big talent uh, disadvantage for them. Uh, USF has the defense. I mean, they're only allowing seventy-eight yards a game. I know their competition hasn't been too uh, too tough, but I feel like they're going to be able to withstand that option offense and uh, if they you know, get ahead pretty good. Tulane doesn't really throw the ball too well. So just wondering what uh, you guys think, and have a great week. All right, appreciate the call. And the key is going to be, as it always is when you take on the option, is is defending the option. And South Florida has not faced an option attack yet this year, so uh be interesting to see how they do. But last year uh, they did face, uh, I believe they faced one option attack last year and did well versus it. They've got the athletes on defense, that's for sure. You look at them, they, they pass the eye test, and, and it's just a South Florida team that, you remember at the start of the season, uh, San Jose jumped out to that lead against them, I think it was 16 to nothing. Stony Brook led them at the half, 10-7, you're thinking, maybe they're not as good as we thought, but each and every week, South Florida just continues to impress, both offensively with Quinton Flowers, and defensively, as you touched on, uh, allowing just 78 yards per game and 48% completions. They are playing the weakest schedule in the country. Tulane has had its moments this year. Uh, you go back to the Navy game, they nearly upset Navy. 
on the road. They whipped Tulsa 62-28. to uh, But last week came back down to earth. In fact, Florida Atlantic had a 200-yard edge against them. And as you pointed out, I don't think Tulane's very good in the catch-up mode. So if South Florida can get ahead of them, uh, I think they can slow down the option. Jonathan Banks doing a good job engineering it. But the uh, the numbers price rather low here. So I, th- I think there is a talent difference, and I agree with you. I like South Florida, and they should be able to win this one uh, by double digits this week. Appreciate the call. Always good stuff from Mark, and that's how you do it. You line them up, and uh, we're on it for you. The best evaluation and analysis of any one of your favorite 130 FBS squads, favorite conference, how you see it shaking out. That's what we do here on Strong as Steel. And you know what? I know a lot of you want to have an opportunity to go see your favorite football teams play. I've got just the uh, ticket for you, uh, and I mean that literally with college football uh, going so strong here down through the end of the season. I get asked all the time, what's the best, most efficient way to buy tickets for sports events and concerts, comedy, theater? It's got to be SeatGeek. That's right, SeatGeek. They're the easiest, most effective way to get the seats you want. Seamless mobile experience. SeatGeek provides that for you. All you do is get on your mobile device and tap, tap. And, I mean, you can buy and sell tickets to any event you want, and you get the best seats at the best prices around. I'll repeat that. Best seats, best prices around. Fully guaranteed from our friends at SeatGeek. So you can go see your favorite team, musician, uh, entertainer, comedian, the theater, whatever you like. I've used it many, many times, used it to see Bruno Mars this summer, and was absolutely thrilled with the experience. So make SeatGeek your go-to app. It'll save you time and money on every type of ticket, sports event, concert, or theater you like. And here's the best part of it, Strong as Steel listeners. Uh, how does SeatGeek take care of you because you're with us every week? You got it. You're a Strongest Steel listener. You get $20 off. That's right, 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code STEEL. That's STEEL. You got it. That easy. 20 bucks off. Uh, you got to be front and center, right? You do it with the events you want, at the best prices you want, at the best seats you want. Make sure you get aboard. Go to your app right now. Get with the SeatGeek app. That's the best way. It's got to be SeatGeek. All right, Michael Regai, Phil Steele, uh, Jim Nabozna, our producer, and you on Strong as Steel. 646-668-2248. We're going to get to all of you. You are really blowing it up today. We love that. You also do it on Twitter as well. We know a lot of you cannot get uh, your work and what have you, and you, you want to talk college football with us. You do it on Twitter. Let's go to our producer, Jim Nabozna. I know the Twitter mailbag is absolutely on fire as well. Hey, Jim, hope you're doing well today. Fire them off for us, man. What do we have on Twitter? We start with Mike Torres, who wants to know, will Boise State cover the 14 points at home against Wyoming, or are they in a letdown spot after last week's huge win against the Aztecs? I appreciate the uh, tweet there, Mike. Uh, Looking at this game, I do side with Boise. Boise, uh, I expected San Diego State to beat Boise last week, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast. 
Boise jumped out to that 14 to nothing lead with the uh, punt return, fumble return, touchdowns, but then made it stick. And, uh, you know, they, they were outgained by 12 yards by San Diego State, but I like the way the defense is playing. And what I don't like this year is the way the Wyoming offense is playing. Uh, if you look at, even though they have Josh Allen, the NFL caliber quarterback there, he lost his top running backs from last year, uh, including Brian Hill, who rushed for 1,860 yards. He lost his top receivers, including Tanner Gentry, who had 1,300 yards receiving. The replacements this year, neither one of them at either position has topped 300 yards. So he doesn't have a great supporting cast. Their offense is averaging 167 yards below what their opponents come in allowing. Well, Boise's just allowing 325 yards per game, so we'll put them about 160. I don't think Wyoming's going to move the ball very well once again here. Wyoming's defense not bad, holding their opponents 21 yards below their season average, and let's face it, Boise's offense has been far from overwhelming this year. They're only averaging 336 yards per game. I think this is going to be a lower-scoring game. You know, when I look at it, uh, Vegas does too. They've got the total down there at 44.5, which for today's game is rather low. But uh, I think it'll be a lower-scoring game. But I'm going to side with Boise to get it done on the blue turf. And I think, you know, if you follow Boise – Uh, they had been a great home favorite. Then Vegas started overcompensating. They started making them pay the extra price in every game. But now I believe they've lost something like nine straight as a home favorite because uh, the the price has been inflated. I don't think this week's price is all that inflated. Not at 14. It's about where the numbers say it should be. So I'm going to lean with Boise in that one. Appreciate the call. Keith S. says, The college football Bible tells me the series is 6-0 to the home team. But does Marshall have enough to cover the two and a half at Middle Tennessee this Friday? Yeah, I think Marshall is one of those teams that still remains underrated this year because they had a losing record last year. A lot of folks are reflecting that, but this is a very good Marshall team. Uh, defensively, they're playing well. Offensively, Chase Litton is a much-improved QB with a 13-3 ratio. Uh, they've got the run game going, averaging 4.1 yards per carry. And middle is uh, still missing stock still at the quarterback spot, and that has been a big impact for their offense. Uh, this is one where uh, last week they got beat by UAB by two on the road. Marshall is a big step up from UAB. So I, I think when you look at this team, that maybe that another big difference middle has is what I just touched on with Wyoming. Middle lost a player in Itavius Mathers, who had over 2,000 yards total offense last year. And then Richie James has been out with injury. So when you have those things happening in middle, their offense not quite as effective. And defensively, uh, you know, I think Marshall's going to be able to move the ball on them. So I like Marshall to go in there and get the win. And uh, they're priced cheap. As you mentioned, it's only two and a half. I like the herd there. Appreciate the tweet. TQ asks, he's having a hard time figuring out Tulsa. What do you expect from them this weekend against UConn? You're probably asking the wrong guy when it comes to Tulsa because I'll tell you what, two weeks ago I loved Tulsa when they were playing the option for the third straight week against Tulane. Uh, I thought they would go in there and and get that win, and they acted like they never even saw the option offense before, even though they had just played it three straight weeks with New Mexico Navy and followed by Tulane. So last week, naturally, I crumpled up Tulsa, threw them in the trash can, and said, I'm not going to use Tulsa again until they do something. 
Well, they only beat Houston 45 to 17 at home. So, you know, it's a it's a Tulsa team that's gone into Toledo and only lost by three. They gave Oklahoma State a game in the opener. They whipped Louisiana. They struggled against the three option teams they faced, but against normal teams, they've been playing better. So you have to think Tulsa's able to go out and get the win. But I, for one, am not going to say Tulsa as a, a team to play on right now until I, I actually see them do it a couple of weeks in a row. And Connecticut, you know, last week they covered against Temple and actually beat Temple outright, but they were outgained by 229 yards in that game. Very fortunate, out first down 28-15. to 15. I still feel they're one of the weakest teams in the American. So Tulsa should be able to go out, out there and get the win, but uh, still a little disappointed about that Tulsa-Tulane game two weeks ago. Appreciate the tweet. Yeah, good stuff on Twitter, and uh, keep them coming because we're going to go back and check more of it out of our uh, Twitter mailbag. Still got plenty of time for that here on Strong as Steel. Uh, they are the most enigmatic team in college football this year at uh, Tulsa, Phil. Uh, Philip Montgomery, even the head football coach, big win, as you said last week, but I know he's scratching his head about uh, his Tulsa squad, and then uh, hopefully they can get back on track and uh, maintain some strength there in the American athletic all right six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight uh, let's keep it rolling you guys are all lined up you did a fantastic job by all of you today uh phil and i uh, firmly believe our audience is the most knowledgeable and uh, the most prepared uh, in anywhere around the fbs and that's why we do strong as steel for all of you let's go to uh colorado and uh, although uh, our man Chuck with some thoughts about the Mid-American Conference and a big one in the Mac East. Hey, Chuck, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Yes, sir. Uh, I want to talk a little Buffalo Red Hawks. I just want to say I'm a longtime fan, and I uh, really appreciate you guys taking the time every week to, to do this podcast for us. We really appreciate it. Um, Looking at that Buffalo-Miami game, you know, Buffalo is coming off some tough losses. They've got a common opponent in Kent State, uh, both at Kent State, and Buffalo won that. Uh, Miami's getting the home field spread advantage uh, just because it's home field. Uh, I see Buffalo's offense against Miami's defense is, is the game winner here. I want to lean Buffalo, Phil. Help me out. All right. Well, you know, this is one Help where on, uh, I tell you what, Chuck. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of uh, I'm sort of at the number myself on this one, Chuck, because, you know, Miami is not Miami without Gus Raglan, which is just shocking. Remember last year Raglan came in, they won their last six. They started out the year well this year and they have just been struggling this season so far. Even last week, losing at Kent State. Uh, each and every week, their their offense failing to put up the points with uh, Billy Ball at the quarterback spot, only hitting 43% so far this year. Uh, defensively, as you pointed out, they're giving opponents 23 yards above their season average. And Buffalo has been a team that's basically uh, overachieved my expectations almost each and every week. You go back to the Minnesota game in the opener, playing Army tough, beating FAU, beating Kent State on the road, giving Western Michigan within three, and last week playing Northern Illinois within one. So they come to play each and every week. Now their defense is allowing opponents 93 yards above their season average, which surprises me a little bit, as good as they've played, that the, those are the numbers there. I think this is one of those games where Miami's back is the wall. They have to win. If they cobble away to get it, I could see them winning by three. But I'm going to turn it over to Michael and see what the uh, – since Michael's handled Miami and Van Buffalo this year, let's see what Michael likes on this one. Yeah, Phil, this uh, this one is going to have a great implication on what happens as far as each, these two teams, not just in the MAC East, where right now Akron, the Akron Zips, uh, have 
the uh, 3-0 and unblemished record. But uh, getting back to this one, Drew Anderson has been fabulous. Now, he took over for Tyree Jackson. Tyree Jackson, who had a, a terrific freshman year, the quarterback of Buffalo. Drew Anderson's taken over, and, of course, he's the one that put up those just eye-popping numbers and that seven-overtime, what turned out to be a loss to Western Michigan. So, you know, this one's intriguing, and uh, I think Buffalo right now is going to look to uh, take advantage of uh, maybe what some of Kent State. I had Kent State Miami last week, Phil, and I, and I was surprised that uh, George Bolas, the backup quarterback for Kent State, came in, threw the football effectively, moved Kent State's offense in the second half against Miami, who has a they, Miami's got a couple of NFL guys on their defensive side of the ball that will be drafted uh, coming up in the next. Staples draft. So it's uh, crossroads time for Chuck Martin. Uh, you said it, Phil, back to the wall here. I'm going to lean to, you know, the circle the wagons thing and rally it up and really find a way. And if they've got to do it defensively, they will to Miami. But it's a, a very, just shall I say, a slight lean because I, I, if they can't handle Buffalo's offense, it could be a long afternoon for the Red Hawks at Jaeger Stadium. So um, that that one though is going to have great. They both need it, Phil, as we said. If they're thinking uh, to get to that uh, that six win plateau, both have to have it. And you you say you you like Miami in that one as well. Yeah, by about a field goal, which is right. Uh, that doesn't help Chuck's case because Chuck's looking for uh, no. something else on the game than that. Uh, no. <laughs> if you if you catch my drift. Yeah. Yes, I know he is, and uh, you know, but that that. It, it's probably going to come down to the, uh, a last possession or so. I, I really see it that way. Now, again, can Billy Ball, as you pointed out, can he start to improve his passing accuracy and get Chuck Martin's pass game, which is excellent. I mean, they've got some terrific, they've got big receivers in James Gardner and Luke Mayock, and they're having a hard time getting him the football right now. So, uh, Chuck, we appreciate the call. We swing into uh, the state of Alabama here on Strong as Steel with some t- Pac-12 thoughts out of the uh, the great state of Alabama. Chad, we welcome you to the show. How are you, Chad? Great, guys. How are y'all? Great, Terrific. Chad. Go right Maybe you would ask about the Pac-12. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about that uh, that Arizona Cal game. Um. You know, Cal's been a been a, been a funny team so far this year. Um, they had Ole Miss come in, and, and they upset a, an SEC team, a, a decent SEC team to what I have uh, have figured out. And, and then, you know, they had USC come in. It was kind of a letdown game. Even though USC was ranked 11th, they were not an, uh, a, a top 15 team, I do not believe. And uh, after the big win at uh, uh, from against Washington State last week, I just think this will be a letdown week, and I think a good Arizona team will come in and, and cover the three against the Cal Golden Bears. What do y'all guys think? All right. I appreciate the call, uh, as always, uh, Chad. And uh, when we take a look at this matchup, I mean, the, the key for Arizona, their offense just been ignited since Khalil Tate's taken over the quarterback spot. I mean, ran for over 300 yards against Colorado, ran for over 200 yards against UCLA with Tate's running ability, they've averaged 9.9 and 7.5 yards per carry the last two weeks and uh, put up over 400 yards rushing in each game. Defensively, you can run the football on them. And uh, so I think Patrick Laird will have a pretty good game for Cal. He's got over 400 yards this year, averaging 6.2 yards per carry. Uh, Defensively, when I look at the teams, 
Uh, Cal's defense holding opponents to 46 yards below their season average. And then surprisingly, Arizona's not known for defense, but they're holding their foes to 33 yards below the season average. I think Arizona's got the more dynamic offense. I think Cal's got a slight edge on defense, and they've got the home edge. I think health-wise, Arizona rates the edge there. Cal a little banged up heading into last week's big upset. So uh, I, I think Arizona goes on the road and wins. But to me, this is another one of those games that's uh, pretty tough to call because I don't, you know, my computer has loved Arizona maybe the last five weeks or so. And uh, each time I look at it, I go, why does it like Arizona? And this week it's only called for Arizona to win by, uh, I think, two points in this one, which also surprised me. I was thinking it would be heavy on Arizona, but Cal gained a lot of points last week with that upset. Appreciate the call. Yeah, good stuff, Chad, as always. Justin Wilcox, man, he, he really had that defense uh, running around, flying around, and uh, hitting uh, Washington State Cougars last week, Phil. Very, very impressive what young Justin Wilcox has going on at Cal. I think it might only get better. Yeah, definitely. This is, this looked like a rebuilding year, and they have four and three right now with this a possible win. Oregon State coming up, Colorado. They need to get two out of three wins these next three weeks to get to a bowl because at Stanford's looming after that. So I, th- yeah. I think they need to do it right now, and uh, it's an important time for Cal. But it would it would surprise me. I did not expect Cal to get to a bowl this year, and they have a really good shot at doing it. They do. Keep an eye on Justin Wilcox and his uh, – is Cal Bears. All right, uh, strong as steel. We, uh, you guys, again, I got a you, fantastic today. Just fantastic. You're going all over the college football landscape, and that's exactly how Phil and I love it. Six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. We swing back to the Midwest into the state of Ohio, and here's our man Derek with some uh, thoughts on the ACC. Hey, Derek, welcome to the show. How are you? Fellas, I'm good, and I know you guys are doing good. You guys are fabulous, Michael. You're giving all us fans this all this praise. You guys are the one that's doing a fantastic job. Thanks a lot. We got orange on orange. You know what happened last Friday? Um, I didn't. We do. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. And um, now they uh, they get to take on Miami uh, Miami Hurricanes. Orange on orange. I got the uh, the home team. What you think? Have a great day and great weekend, fellas. All right. Appreciate the call. We appreciate the kind words, Derek. Really appreciate that. Yes, very nice. Yeah, Derek. Uh, Very, very nice. Let's take a look at this Miami. No, go ahead, Phil. I just wanted to see. Yeah, listen, I'm very impressed by Dino Baber's squad last week. Can they do it again? Uh, it's going to be tough to do it again because generally when you pull off a big upset like that and then go on the road, there's a little bit of a letdown spot. Now, I will point this out. We all saw the locker room celebration they had after beating mm-hmm. Clemson, and I said to myself, boy, that reminds me of that Virginia Tech game last year, and they upset Virginia Tech, huge underdog, all fired up. They went on the road the next week and beat Boston College, so that you know it was a, uh, a game where there was about a pick game at that point. They weren't a large underdog like they are here. And with Miami... Uh, you know, you look at the uh, final score, and you look at the way the game was played, Miami against Georgia Tech. They did have that onside kick to open up the second half, which GT returned for a touchdown. But Miami actually had a 481 to 281-yard edge. They outgained Georgia Tech by 200 yards last week. Uh, they held Georgia Tech to almost 200 yards below their season average on offense and gained 200 yards above what Georgia Tech was gaining. That Florida State game was impressive. Uh, it's a Miami team that I think is going to continue to get better. And for all the talk about, oh, my goodness, Mark Walton's gone. This team is going to struggle at the running back spot. 
Uh, two words for you. Travis Homer, this guy uh, ran the ball 20 times last week, 170 yards rushing. He's averaging 8.4 yards per carry. They'll be okay there. They are a little banged up in some other areas on the team. Last week, I think at one point, they were missing three or four starters off the defense. They're going to have to get those guys healthy. Last week, missing a couple of DBs against Georgia Tech didn't matter as much as it will against Dino Baber's offense. Ishmael, Phillips, Pierce, they've got some talented receivers. Eric Dungy throwing the ball well this year. But uh, I'm in agreement with you there, Derek. I, I'm going to go with uh, the, the home team, Miami of Florida, to win this one by a couple of touchdowns or more. A couple of TDs or more. All right, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep tabs on that. It'd be something if Dino Babers and his squad could rally up and uh, go back-to-back with these kind of performances. Appreciate the call, Derek. We're at 646-668-2248. Phil Steele's here, our producer, Jim Nabosna. I'm Michael Regai. Terrific to be with all of you for this hour, uh, 12 noon Eastern to 1 o'clock. Blog Talk Radio each and every Wednesday. We'll take you through a big weekend of college football. And, of course, don't forget about iTunes. You can uh, grab the show on iTunes as well. Uh, let's uh, get some Big Ten thoughts uh, generated here. We touched on uh, Michigan's invasion of Happy Valley and Penn State. Another one going on in the Big Ten East. We go to the state of Indiana. Those Indiana Hoosiers heading to East Lansing this week. Here's Jeff. Welcome to the show, Jeff. How you doing? I'm doing well, Michael. Thanks for having me on, Phil. Looking forward to the uh, inside the press box this week. I know it's going to be a big one. Just quickly on the Hoosiers, headed to East Lansing this weekend. They got the young blood, uh, Peyton Ramsey back under center, and that kid can really move. But story of the Hoosiers last three seasons, just missing on a big win, but uh, ended up a heartbreaker last week versus Michigan in Bloomington for homecoming. So uh, the question is, do they bounce back? Who do you like? Yeah, it's got to be tough being a Hoosier fan the last couple of years with all these close games against the big boys. You know, they last year they almost upset Nebraska. They uh, they played a great game against Penn State, much closer than the final. Played a really good game against Michigan, and they've been doing that for a couple of years now there. And uh, you know, when I talked to Coach Allen in the in the sp- in the spring, I asked him. I said, "What kind of quarterback would you prefer?" He said, "A mobile quarterback." Peyton Ramsey's in there and looking good. Indiana also has a solid defense this year. They're holding opponents at 353 yards per game, 33 yards per game below their season average. Now Michigan State's got the defensive advantage. They're holding opponents to 151 yards below their season average this year, playing extremely well week to week, and surprising considering they don't have great depth on the defensive line. So playing a little bit above expectations. But uh, even though Michigan State's at home for this one, I think Indiana gives them yet another game. I think this is one of those games where Indiana uh, takes it to the wire. I like Michigan State to win the game, but maybe by something like a field goal. So I'm, I'm going with the underdog Hoosiers to uh, to go out there, and, and maybe they finally break through and get that win instead of just getting close at yeah. the end. Appreciate the call there, Jeff. I'll take it a step further, Phil. I agree with you 100%. I'm going to pick Indiana to uh, to win this outright at Michigan State this week. Well, there I, it uh, is. That, yeah, I uh, I really like what I saw from them last week. Now, they did get off to a little bit of a slow start, but uh, you're right about Peyton Ramsey. I, I think that, now the question will be, can they run the ball effectively enough? I'm not talking that they got to go for 200-plus on the ground like like Michigan did against them last week, but just run it effectively enough to keep D'Antonio's uh, uh, front seven from really wrecking havoc, and then him putting eight and nine in the box. So uh, that, to me, 
will be the telltale. But I, I'm going to take Indiana straight up to win this one and kind of for the time being at least put a uh, derail uh, Michigan State's Big Ten East title thoughts. And we'll see how that plays out. And we'll, we'll certainly discuss it next week, no doubt about that. Let's uh, swing from Indiana down to the state of Florida here on Strong as Steel. Oh, it's SEC time. You know that was coming. SEC time. Here's Lou. I'm strong as steel. Welcome to the show, Lou. What do you have for us? Hey, how you doing, man? I love your show. Uh, I'm thinking about the, the LSU and Mississippi game, the old Miss game. I'm really not too fond of LSU, and I know everybody's saying they got their identity back. But I'm really thinking that old Miss can pull this game off. I don't know if I'm right or wrong about that. I know. You you got that I need. Okay, Lou, and, and Lou, I appreciate the call, and uh, I'm going to make you happy here, Lou. I agree with you. I like Ole Miss. Uh, this is an underrated Ole Miss team. You know, I think when you look at just the talent they have on the field, look at the defensive line, the linebackers, uh, Shea Patterson, a quarterback dynamic, 17-6 ratio this year. Uh, not running the ball as much as you would think he would so far this year, but uh, definitely uh, a dynamic quarterback. And then uh, you look at who they've lost to. They went out to Cal, and that was sort of a strange game. You know, Cal got that late interception return for a touchdown when Ole Miss had the ball driving for the lead. Cal, uh, Ole Miss had led the majority of the game. It's unusual for an SEC team to play out on the West Coast. Then at Alabama, at Auburn. But they showed me something in the second half against Auburn. This team didn't stop. They kept going. They were down at the half. They could have lost the same score they lost to Alabama. They were down 35-3 to at the half, but they kept charging the second half. And then last week, over 600 yards against that Vanderbilt defense, which part of the Alabama game was number one statistically in the country. And I guess we've proven that uh, that really didn't mean anything back then. Uh, but uh, Ole Miss is at home, and they're catching LSU off of two underdog performances. Now, they went on the road against Florida as an underdog, pulled off the upset. Then last week at home against Auburn, nobody's saying they're going to have a chance. They were down uh, in the first half, but rallied for the uh, the win in that and uh, came out 27-23 in the, the late field goal, clinching it. And then uh, when you look at uh, LSU this year coming off two underdogs, now going on the road as a favorite, I think Ole Miss can pull that upset. So I, I definitely like the Rebels in that one. And they're getting about a touchdown. Appreciate the call, Lou. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lou, good stuff there. Uh, Old Miss, Rebs, be a big one for them. They need it, no question about that. All right, we are at 646-668-2248. Still got a few minutes to go here on Strong as Steel as uh, we appreciate all of the kind words and your accolades. But, again, we'll always tell you, you guys uh, make this show and we always appreciate when you uh, leave comments uh, to that end because we love doing it for you. Let's go to uh, New Jersey and uh, get our man Moody uh, here on Strong as Steel. Moody's thinking about Lane Kiffin and his Florida Atlantic Owls. Hey, Moody, how you doing? Welcome, man. Hey, how you guys doing this week, man? Oh, Terrific. Yeah, I, I, go chose, right ahead. I, chose to, I chose to go with uh, FAU and North Texas this week. There's a lot of suspect lines out there, like Texas, SMU, and Navy, UAB. Just a, a few games, to name a few, that the lines are crazy. But I chose to use this FAU, North Texas, because I think the books usually get FAU right. Like, when they're favorite, they usually cover – when they dogs, they usually don't cover. And North Texas, they've been playing pretty well. And um, I just think the three and a half. Just I just think Vegas got got the books right on FAU. I want to know what you guys think. 
All right. Appreciate right, Moody, the call. We appreciate and, uh, it. You know, yeah, Moody. Uh, you know, FAU's had some impressive games. Even the, the Navy game in the opener, I thought they played better in the final score. Played Wisconsin tough. Uh, and then in week four, and this goes back to where Buffalo's impressed me all year, I thought FAU was going to go into Buffalo and get the win. And they ended up losing that game by three. So I'm like, well, maybe FAU's not as talented as I thought they were. But Bryles has been running the football. When I say Bryles, I mean their offensive coordinator, uh, Kendall Bryles, running the football there. They get five yards per carry against Middle Tennessee, 6.6 against Old Dominion, over 550 yards offense. Defense not overwhelming. Uh, they've got, In fact, they've allowed opponents 91 yards above their season average. But uh, they're at home for this one. They're, they're uh, three-and-a-half-point favorite, and I do think they win by more than that. When you look at North Texas, uh, they have got a uh, win last week, a big win over UTSA at home on a late score. Uh, Southern Miss, they went on the road and won. So they've had a couple of uh, impressive games, but I just think FAU's the better team at home, and, and I agree with you. I think they play better when they're favored. So uh, I'm going to side with FAU doing this one something like more to by six or seven points. Appreciate the call as always, Moody. Yeah, good stuff, Moody. Overall, Phil, how do you feel about the job Lane Kiffin has done this year? You know, started out with Navy and at Wisconsin. Uh, from there, do you feel that you're seeing signs of strides in his program? Uh, they still got six games to go. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my assessment on that you because wait? I thought coming into the year, Kiffin, <laughs> okay. Kiffin getting a lot of uh, you got a lot of transfers over the summer. So I thought that they may yep. overachieve a little bit of what I had in the magazine because I didn't know all those players would be there, but. You know, the Buffalo game throws me a little bit. I thought they were going to win that one, and they did not. So I'm going to hold my judgment on that. Yeah, I've still got to go to Western Kentucky next week. Got to go to La Tech in November. So, okay, uh, that, that's yeah, fair enough. You know, we met uh, – yeah, that's right. You're right, Marshall at home, uh, first week in November. True. Um, we did, When we started the show, we had uh, two big primetime games on Saturday night, uh, Michigan-Penn State – uh, that'll be on ABC. You're going to need your clicker in your hand too, though. That remote is going to be rolling. Phil doesn't have that problem here at the, you know, at the office. He he's cool because he's got 12 monitors. But all of the rest of us mere mortars, we're going to have to have the remote going. Uh, Phil, uh, Notre Dame, Golden Dome, hosted USC this week. Uh, going to catch a, a lot of attention. They're both of them are one loss football teams. So if we're talking about um, you know, we're talking about college football playoff. Uh, can't lose that second, or it would appear. Here's Jay from Chicago with some thoughts on Notre Dame and USC. Hi, Jay. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the USC-ND game here. Uh, you know, ND, I think they're still underrated uh, as the season's going progressed. You know, USC not playing their best ball right now, turning the ball over a lot. Um, night game in South Bend. It's going to be an electric atmosphere. It's going to be an electric factory out there. I'd like the Irish in this one to roll. Uh, and, and I'm in agreement with you, Jay. If you read my magazine at the start of the year, uh, you know my number one most improved team in the country is Notre Dame coming off that losing season. And it's a national title elimination game. I mean, the, the loser, as you mentioned, out of the playoff picture, the winner very much alive. This would be a big win for both team seasons and probably – uh, you know, one of the toughest opponents here to date left. Notre Dame's still got NC State, Miami, of Florida, and Stanford, but this would be a big game for them. And, and lining it up, you know, USC's had that one dominant game this year, Stanford. 
won the game by 21 points, absolutely dominated. Ironically, it was a week that I was siding with the underdog Stanford. Every other game this year, USC has struggled. I mean, Western Michigan, they're up by four with four minutes to go. Texas takes them to overtime. Cal is far from a blowout. They lose to Washington State. Uh, I didn't think they were overwhelming against Oregon State at home. And then last week, uh, needed to stop a two-point conversion at the end to get past Utah. They're one and six against the Vegas number. Uh, weather's going to be okay. It's not going to be chilly for the boys from California. Uh, and Notre Dame, though, is running the football through over 300 yards per game rushing, 6.9 yards per carry. They get Winbush back in the lineup, and I think they're still a very underrated team. I like the Irish to win this one at home by a touchdown or more. Appreciate the call. Wow, you and Jay, man, uh, Phil. I, listen, just so we can have that uh, – our famous uh, root beer float going. Uh, I, I know, yes, all the things you pointed out about USC, but, man, they've got so much firepower offensively, and I, I think with a with a fast track, which, as you said, weather-wise is going to be. I'm going to take USC in this one, Phil, that uh, the Trojans are the ones that do not get eliminated in uh, this one-loss game of uh, two very talented one-loss teams. So we can have the, uh, we can have the root beer soda on that one. How's that? All right, sounds good. And, and USC is a banged-up team. they got about 20 players on the injury list. They've been that way for a couple of weeks. Yep. Hey, Phil, uh, tomorrow, Sports Center for you, ESPN. Uh, give everybody an idea, uh, not only uh, uh, in Bristol where they can see you, read you, but also uh, on uh, all of uh, philskill.com, too. Yeah, uh, if you go to uh, uh, Sports Centers tomorrow, I'll be on there. I'll be in Bristol all day tomorrow. Also, check out uh, ESPN Insider. You go to ESPN.com slash Phil Steele. I'll get you there. Get my college and NFL plays for the week. Uh, get my Vegas power ratings and, and much more. That's at ESPN Insider. Uh, check out my weekly newsletter inside the press box where you get write-ups on all 56 games for the college and all the NFL games as well. That's InsideThePressBox.com, InsideThePressBox.com. Uh, and on Friday, I'll have my Phil Steele Plus game of the week this week. Uh, off to a slow start this year, but it's always good information, and I think you'll enjoy it. That'll be up on Friday. And then uh, follow me on Twitter, at PhilSteele042. That's at PhilSteele042. And, Michael, it was a lot of fun, as always. Got to head off to my Houston radio show, and I uh, hope you have a great weekend, my friend. And, uh, by the way, tons of callers today. I'd like to thank each and every one of you. Yeah, absolutely. Safe travels to uh, Bristol Film. We'll see you back here next week on Strong as Steel. Take care. So, Phil Steele, is, uh, he's always got things going on. And uh, right, though, as we said, as we've been saying through the show, you guys are absolutely phenomenal today. From Phil and our producer, uh, Jim DeBosna, yours truly. When you get on uh, iTunes and even Blog Talk Radio, I think there's uh, spots for you to leave comments. Go ahead and tell them. Tell us uh, how much you like Strong as Steel. It gives us the impetus and the momentum to uh, keep going forward for all of you the way that uh, you like uh, college football and the FBS broken down. So uh, the hour goes way too quickly. It's going to do it for us. We will be looking for you again after another phenomenal college football weekend. We'll see you here 12 o'clock Eastern uh, on Blog Talk Radio. And again, make sure you check iTunes as well uh, for the uh, the next time we get together on Strong as Steel. For producer Jim DeBosna, for Phil Steele, I'm Michael Regai. Have yourself a terrific college football weekend, everybody. We'll see you next time on Strong as Steel. So long.